All right. What is up, everybody? NFL season is finally here. Opening day, opening kickoff is tomorrow night. And on today's office hours, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know to be ready for NFL showdown season, uh, to get you ready for tomorrow's Bills versus Rams opening night, uh, as well as all of the different showdown contests we are all going to be playing this season. I'll talk about why simulations and specifically play-by-play -play simulations are so important to be successful in your NFL showdown contests, how to use our Sims on SaberSim and build fantastic showdown lineups and answer any questions that you guys have here. So let's go ahead and just start diving right into it. First things first, uh, we have reset everyone's trial to SaberSim. So if you are tuning into this, whether you're with me here live or you end up watching the recording of this stream here uh, and you've used SaberSim before, or even if you haven't used SaberSim before and you want to give us a try, we have the only completely free seven-day trial to a DFS optimizer in the industry. Nobody else offers that completely free seven days, no strings attached. So you can come check us out, get signed up today, check out the Thursday night showdown, uh, play some showdowns on Sunday, maybe play the Sunday night game, the Monday night game. Uh, you time it right, you'll probably get next week's Thursday showdown in as well. So definitely come check out the free uh, trial on sabersim.com here. But let's go ahead and just get into it and start talking a little bit of strategy, what it takes to be successful in these game types here. So first things first, NFL showdown ultimately all comes down to game scripts, right? The goal of what we're trying to do in these contests is to figure out what are the possible game outcomes for how this game could play out? In this case, we have the Rams versus Bills game here. And then what are the highest scoring DFS lineups, DFS lineups that I can build that are built around those game outcomes, right? But to do this for NFL successfully and to be to build profitable plus EV NFL DFS showdown lineups, you have to have an understanding of the game script, which is the basically the play-by-play -play cadence of a game. If you were to describe the game to somebody that didn't watch it or read the ESPN play-by-play -play game log, what would you actually see in that game script? And the reason this is important, especially in NFL, is because context matters a ton in the way that the game actually plays out. You can't really accurately predict or project how a game is going to play out or what's going to happen on a certain play without understanding where you are in that particular game. What is the score? How much time is left on the clock? Where? What's the down and distance that you're currently looking at? Um, you know, even what what uh, have been the what are the tendencies of those teams to do in those kinds of situations? If it is uh, two minutes left before halftime, and the game, it, the the Rams have the ball, and they're already down 14-0. They're going to behave very differently than if it's the first drive of the third quarter and it's a tied game or something like that, right? Context matters a ton when coming up with what are the actual outcomes of how this game is going to play out. Now. Anybody can hand build a lineup or even use like a traditional optimizer that uses uh, a lot of maybe the full salary and a lineup that kind of like visually looks okay, but you're not really building a good lineup or you're not really building the best lineup you could unless you're building a lineup that is optimized for a singular game script for a singular game outcome. The problem with that, this all sounds good in theory, but the real problem with that is that humans are very biased. 
We have a ton of bad assumptions and are generally pretty bad at actually doing a good job of estimating the probability of different events taking place. And whether you're building by hand or using some other optimizer out there, it's really, really hard to build these good lineups by yourself because then you're trying to come up with these game scripts and think, keep track of the, the context of the game and how this would ultimately end up forming into a lineup. And all of these biases and assumptions and just bad predictions that people will generally make are going to wreak havoc on your NFL showdown lineups. Just because a lineup uses all of the salary or most of the salary or because it projects pretty well on average doesn't mean that it is representative of a true play-by-play -play driven game script or, or that it is optimal for a way that a the game could potentially actually play out. Now, our simulations, SaberSim simulations, simplify this a ton, and it makes it really easy because we have true play-by-play -play game simulations for every single game on the slate. When we have a projection for a player, Josh Allen is projected here, for example, at 24.64 points, or a projection for a team, 27.7 points. That is purely the average of what is actually thousands of different sims thousands of different game outcomes of how this game could actually play out. And you can actually see this here visually in, in the app. Um, apparently not there. Um, let me pull up a different one. Oh, there we go. Took a second to load. Cooper Cup, for example, projected 21.1 points, right? This is just a representation of what the actual full range of outcomes are of how this game could play out. And the reason why our simulations are so good at doing this in particular, I want to stress this point heavily because everybody's talking about simulations now. If you go and watch other YouTube videos, listen to other podcasts, all kinds of different stuff, you're going to hear simulations are important for, for NFL, right? And NFL showdown in particular, because everybody's trying to make the same point. But nobody else is doing true play-by-play -play game simulations. And as we just talked about, you have to understand the context of how the game script plays out play-by-play to accurately determine what players are going to benefit when certain game scripts take place, right? So without really doing anything at all, we will have these game scripts here in our game simulations and build optimal lineups that are built for those. And I'll show you a little bit more about how that looks here in just a second. Um, the best part about all of this, and maybe probably the, the most important part about this, is that we don't just... If you looked at this Bills and Rams game and maybe looked at the Vegas total and the players playing in the game and the maybe the salaries, you could probably do a maybe a decent job of coming up with a potential game outcome, right? Or a set of game outcomes, probably all very kind of chalky and around the mean, right? I don't think it takes like a football genius to look at this game and think, oh yeah, this game maybe could shoot out. Right. And that like a lot of the pass catchers could all do well. Uh, the quarterbacks could do well. The defenses would do poorly. It's very easy to imagine a, a shootout game script. But because we are basically going through it and not just coming up with the averages for each player, but these full ranges of outcomes, you will get the opportunity to play lineups that are very contrarian or very different from the field game scripts just as easily as you can play ones that are much closer to the field. And the combinations of certain players and the exposure that you're actually getting to certain players in your set of lineups that we build in SaberSim will match approximately the probability of those things actually happening. So if you want to see, you know, how likely is Cooper Cup to be the optimal captain or how likely is... Um, 
a lineup that doesn't have Matt Stafford in it at all likely to be optimal. You can do that because we've basically done the heavy lifting here of building out all of these different game scripts. Now, I've been talking here for almost 10 minutes here, and I haven't even actually like done anything in the app yet. I haven't built a lineup. I haven't done anything. And be the reason for that is because I want to stress heavily here how important this is and how much work is going on behind the scenes, right? The work of figuring out of starting with whatever your, your basic inputs are. If you're hand building, that's maybe just looking at the players in the pool. If you're using another traditional optimizer, that's maybe just like looking at the projections and starting to build some lineups. From going from that step to actually having single game simulation optimals would take a ton of work. I think there are probably DFS, NFL DFS pros out there trying to do that, that are spending hours every single slate trying to go from average projections to actual single game optimals. And that is the part that we simplify here within Saberson. So Let's talk a little bit about more about how that actually works and where I think some of the best opportunities are to make some adjustments and make your lineups your own. And I will start by basically saying probably more than any contest type out there or any particular sport, I am probably the least likely to make an adjustment here in the projections, right? That's not to say you can't find ways to add value. There are a couple things that I think you can do here, but once you start making adjustments here, you should be pretty damn sure that those adjustments are good, that they are at least directionally correct, because you're 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 changing the the raw the raw data going into the sims at that particular point. What we'll see here in a moment is that when you build your lineups on SaberSim, we're actually going to build these. We're going to build these a huge pool of lineups, and you can the lineups that you're going to get are so diverse and are uh, obviously again targeted at that full range of outcomes for the game that you can basically get anything you want within your pool of lineups, right? This is also a really important point. So when we pull this up here, these are the build settings for, let's say we're playing like the flagship GPP and we want 150 lineups. When you look at the sliders, the default settings are going to be 0, 0, 010 on our sliders, which basically means we are taking the average projection that a player scores for one simulation right? So basically, what did they score in one random sim? And then what is the best possible lineup that we can build around that? And we are going to do that 500, or in this case, 1500 times, and then give you that 1500 set of lineups, right? Those are 1500 optimals. That is a subset of the full range of outcomes of the way that the game could play out. You're going to have so much diversity and so many options to make that lineup set your own within that set of 1500 that I typically don't even want to worry about that here. But I don't. I typically don't want to worry about playing particular angles in this step, right? So let's go ahead and build these lineups here, and start looking at these. And again, the big value is that this is a basically a a slice. If there are, let's say, there are ten thousand simulations for this game, we're basically taking a slice of that, a representative sample of all the different ways that the game could play out, and then picking and choosing the lineups that we want to ultimately take with us into our contests. If you don't have any idea of what you want to do for this particular game, or maybe you're new to NFL Showdown and you have no real opinions on what players are good or bad to play, you're you're basically done here. You, you don't even necessarily have to do anything else once these lineups come up. You're going to get a, we'll pull the 150 out, we'll pull 150 out of your 1500 lineup set, sort them by what we call Sabre score, which is basically the, 
the highest overall upside lineups in your pool and give them to you as a lineup set. If you want to start taking stands on certain players, maybe even just because you have a gut feeling on a certain guy, you want to fade a particular player, you can do that. If you want to manage your risk here uh, on certain players and lower your exposure to some guys or others, uh, you can do that. You can also do a few things that I think add a ton of value, like um, avoiding duplication and particularly trying to avoid like very chalky builds or heavily duplicated builds, or taking that one step further. Um, just eliminating certain combinations of players completely. So we'll let this build finish up. I do want to have a big, nice 1500 lineup pool to work with here. So I'm going to let this build and I'm going to take a breath and we'll talk a little bit more here as soon as this build is finished up. But if you guys can't tell, I'm super excited for this one today. Very excited to come on and talk some showdown strategy. It really, uh, it, it feels like Christmas Eve here today, uh, the day before NFL finally gets started. So while this build is finishing up as well, if anybody has any questions about NFL showdown strategy here, fire away at me in YouTube chat or the Office Hours channel in Slack. If you catch the recording of this or the podcast version of this, you're not watching live and you have a question for me, email us, support at saversim.com, uh, and I'd be happy to get back to you on any questions you have. Um, so we'll give this just a minute here to wrap up you, real quickly. You may not need 500 or 1500 lineups. If you're actually building this for your set of lineups, I typically like to use 1500 because I'm often going to be playing 150 or more lineups. So I want to have a nice big pool to work with. Um, but not necessarily, uh, a huge deal. So let's go ahead and then take a look at this and see how things are shaking out. So again, these lineups are not optimized based on the average projection. They are not optimized based on the average projection with a super high randomness setting. They are not lineups that intuitively feel right. These are single game simulation optimals that we that rest on the strength of an actual game script of how the game could actually play out. Now, there are going to be times where you see a lineup in your pool that might not make a ton of intuitive sense to you right off, right off the bat, right? Let's see if we can find one here. Um, sometimes there's ones... Um, let's see. Actually, these ones look pretty good. Sometimes you might see a quarterback and a defense, the opposing defense. You might see two running backs from the same team. Uh, you might see both kickers. You might see maybe a double tight end from the same team. And you'll see these constructions sometimes that maybe, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have built for yourself. The beauty of using simulations to help you build your NFL showdown portfolio is that, again, those combinations of certain players will only show up in your lineups at the rate at which they are optimal in the actual sim. And the nice thing about those combinations is sometimes those can be a great way to get different, to get different than the field. But when you're hand building or using a traditional optimizer or trying to do this in a different other way, you don't really know how often it is appropriate to roster those types of constructions or on what particular slate or what particular game it's the right time to do those kinds of things, right? So again, when we are looking at this here, if we're looking at you know, Josh Allen is a captain. Obviously, he is the highest overall projected player in the pool by quite a bit. Most tools optimizing by average projection would probably give you a ton, if not 100% Josh Allen in the captain spot. Because we are using our sims to build out these lineups, we can see that the chance that he is actually truly the optimal captain is about 30%. 
right? Diggs has about a 22% overall chance of being a captain. Allen Robinson has about a 10% overall chance of being a captain. So I mentioned before what I think is the highest value things to do here in the post-build process, or actually, let me rephrase that. I mentioned before that I think the highest place, the best place to add value to your NFL showdown lineups is in the post-build process, right? And that's because all we're doing is we're sorting through a pool of 1,500 lineups that are all single game simulation optimals to find the 150 that we want to play. And there's a variety of different things you can do here. I think the first thing that you can do is take somewhat more of a risk management-based approach and increase or decrease exposure to certain players based on what level of risk you are comfortable with, right? Um, perhaps for 150 lineups, having almost 40% of your lineups committed to one particular captain is too much. We can come in here and say, I only want 30% of my lineups to have Josh Allen as the captain, and we will sort through the pool of 1,500 to find the best 150 that matches that. You can also do some pruning of some of these players here closer to the bottom of our captains, right? Darrell Henderson Jr. is showing up as the optimal captain only in seven out of 1,500 sims. So maybe we go ahead and chop him off down at the bottom. We can also just make overall individual player stands, right? We can just have player takes here. If you think Gabe Davis is poised for a breakout year beginning with game one of the season and you just want to be higher than him, if you just want to be higher on him than the field, you can safely get more exposure to Gabe Davis at captain and just increase his exposure to say 20% here. And you can rest assured that the 20%, 30 total lineups of Gabe Davis captain now that you're pushing into your build are coming again from single game simulation outcomes. Once you kind of swallow that pill that you understand, oh, these are not just essentially random lineups that are being handed to me, but they are resting on the strength of a given sim. Everything about the way that you'll think about what you're doing in SaberSim to build your lineups will change. A few things that I particularly really like to do here in the post-build process uh, on SaberSim is to particularly try to avoid getting duped. The main reason why you need to avoid getting duplicated is it immediately, well, first of all, let me define what I mean there. Getting duped means that somebody plays the exact same lineup as you do in a contest, right? And the reason why this is something worth avoiding is because it immediately reduces the expected value of that lineup in the contest, right? If you play a lineup, it has some probability, right? There's some associated probability of that lineup getting first place in a contest, right? A huge portion of the expected value of a lineup is the probability of that lineup getting first times what you actually win when you get first. When somebody duplicates you, you no longer can win first outright. At most, you can win first and second, basically the average of those two prizes. So if first is $100,000 and second is $50,000, your probability of getting first times $100,000 is your expected value for a unique lineup. If you're duped one time, your expected value of that lineup becomes the probability of coming in first times the average of first and second place prizes, which is $75,000. So your expected value immediately drops. And it actually, your expected value continues to drop. And this continues to get worse the more and more you are duplicated. In a sport like NFL Showdown, where there is a very small prize or a very small player pool of available players you can build, and typically enormous contests filled with a ton of other lineups, your probability of getting duplicated is a lot higher. In fact, I think a lot of times these contests can get so big that on certain slates, it's almost impossible to build a completely unique and good lineup, but we should still be focused on trying to build more unique lineups when possible. So 
what I like to do is spend a lot of the work I'm doing here in this post-build process to pull lineups out of my pool that I think are particularly poised to be unique for one reason or another. So what are some of those reasons? Well, typically, I mentioned before, people are very bad at making assumptions. People have a lot of biases. Uh, people are really bad at making predictions. I think overall, in few years of playing NFL DFS, I've noticed that people rely too much on what is implied by an average, right? If a game has a relatively high total on average, people will assume that the probability of that event is much higher than it is. If one player is projected much higher on average, people will assume that that player is much more likely to be uh, the optimal captain than that player's true probability is. Um, people will over favor or over assume the probability of a favorite winning is higher than it is. So I like to flip all of that on its head. And because I have this nice pool of 1500 lineups that I already know, again, are sim optimals, I can feel comfortable taking stands and doing things that I think make me unique because I know that the lineups I'm going to end with end up with are good anyway. So a few things that I particularly like to um, look at there, and I'm going to reset all of my projections here, are mostly the captain position and the overall lineup construction, right? The captain position, because you get one and a half points for every actual fantasy point they score, and because you have to pay one and a half points of salary on DraftKings at least, is generally one of your higher leverage decision points in your NFL showdown lineup. Now, Josh Allen is clearly a great player. He is Obviously, based on the Sims here, the most likely player to be the optimal captain, but he is also the chalkiest captain here, right? He is going to be in 34. We were projecting 34% of lineups to have Josh Allen as a captain. And I know that he's only going to be the optimal. He's only going to be the best captain that you could play about 30% of the time based on our Sims. Now, regardless of finding an ownership inefficiency there or, or anything else, I can, um, here, wait. Uh, okay, there we go. Sorry. Um, I can build a more unique pool of lineups. Actually, I'm just realizing here that did, didn't seem to do what I expected there. Anyway, I can build a more unique pool of lineups by fading Josh Allen at captain because I'm just getting to play lineups that are much lower owned, right? He, we know he's going to be 34% of the lineups in the captain spot. So I might start taking some stands on my captain exposures specifically to avoid duplication. And again, as I remove Josh Allen from the pool, what's going to happen? We are filtering in 1,500 or 150 new lineups from our 1,500 that are still optimals, right? And how can you fade Josh Allen completely? Well, I can do that because I know that I have other optimal constructions here from these sims. And I might even take that a step further. I think Diggs and Cup are also very likely to be popular captains. So I can continue to eliminate these, right? Not necessarily saying that this is something I would do for every single slate, but as a demo here, and maybe I'm playing only captains that are going to show up in less than 10% of my lineups, right? And then I go through and do another check here. Maybe I see and double check and see what my overall pool exposures look like for these guys. So maybe I'm, I'm trimming off Darrell Henderson and Tyler Higby here, again, because I think their, their raw probability of being the optimal captain here is pretty low. And now I have a much better looking pool, right? or not necessarily objectively better here, but I have a pool of lineups that is much less likely to be, um, I think, played by other players, right? These are going to be much lower ownership projections for each of these guys. And I know that for these lineups that I'm playing, Isaiah McKenzie captain, for example, I am still playing a lineup for which 
there's a sim supporting the strength of that lineup, right? This is not a lineup that just conveniently popped into existence because it fits based on salary and average projections. This is actually a true optimal for the way that this particular game could play out. Another thing I like to do is continue to make um, efforts to avoid duplication by looking at the overall construction of my lineup, right? We have a pretty close spread in this game. I think it's about three and a half. I think the bills are favored by three and a half here. So that means two things to me. One, I think people are more likely to favor balanced builds, builds that use uh, three players from each team. And I think people are likely to favor a little bit more bills heavy lineups because they are the favorite in this game. This is a close spread. Uh, the game could probably end up going in a variety of different ways. So I'm going to target and try to exploit game scripts that I think the field is likely to undervalue. So how might I do that? Well, maybe I will eliminate balanced builds from my build. And maybe I will go one step further and also eliminate builds where the bills are the overweight team and only play lineups where the Rams are the overweight team. Okay. This is a good moment here to talk about what, what happens when I see this, this message, right? So I've been making adjustments here. Now I all of a sudden get a message saying I'm unable to meet the exposures. This is a, what I would say is basically a kind of a red flag, a sign that maybe we should back off. What's happening here is we're saying now I've done so much that now there are not 150 lineups in this 1500 lineup subsample of what is optimal for this slate. I can't find 150 lineups here that match everything I was trying to do. Now you can go back to the projections tab and make some adjustments there, maybe set some stacking rules or do things like that. But I think this is a very good red flag. And I would recommend actually treating this as a sign to pull back on your adjustments because you've now somewhat escaped the realm of what is in the range of outcomes for this game, right? Or you're trying to count on too thin of a margin of success for these lineups that maybe at this point you're starting to build some negative EV lineups. So what I'll do is I'll actually say, keep editing and I will maybe back off of whatever the most recent change I just did was. So in this case, um, maybe I'll go ahead and reset the individual stack exposures here and just count on the fact that by varying the captains I was looking at, uh, maybe varying some of the game types, um, varying the captains, varying some of the lineup constructions and so on that I will have managed to avoid duplication a little bit there. So avoiding duplication, I think, is one of the highest value things, highest value adds you can do to the Saberson process. One of the other things that I typically recommend looking at is, and I'm going to just reset everything here. Um, let's see. Cool. So one of the other things that I typically recommend looking at is your very low projected players. So football is pretty unique in that, especially NFL showdown is pretty unique in that you're going to sometimes see very low projected players showing up in your builds. And it's because any player on the field, basically as long as provided that a player is seeing the field, they have an opportunity to far surpass what their average projection is, mostly in the form of scoring a touchdown, right? Khalil Shakir, for example, I think he is the fourth wide receiver for the Bills. Um, kind of, I guess, depends a little bit on how much playing time um, Jamison Crowder is getting, but um, fourth fourth projected receiver for the Bills, projected for less than a point, right? But he's showing up in uh, actually almost 6% of our lineups in our pool and 4% of our top 150 here, or three, sorry, 2.5% two and two and of our top 150 here. Now, why is that? It is because if Khalil Shakir is on the field, there are some outcomes you're going to see here where he 
basically locks into a touchdown, even if most of his outcomes are zero. And because we generally need the optimal to win an NFL showdown, there are going to be simulations where he is in the optimal, right? And you can do the same thing here for most of these other players here down with very low projections. Now, the caveat to that is the player has to be on the field to be showdown optimal. There's a huge difference. A player that is projected for 0.0 points is going to have no chance of showing up in the optimal, right? If they theoretically are never going to get on the field. Whereas a player that has a projection of 0.21 or 0.38 actually has a somewhat meaningful percent chance to end up in that optimal lineup. Now, the problem here is there's a ton of noise in these numbers, right? We do a really good job of trying to make sure that all of our players in our pool are projected accurately. But the difference, again, of 0.2, imagine the difference between uh, 0.21 points on Cooper Cup's overall projection, right? It would mean very little. Cooper Cup actually instead being projected for um, 21.2 points has a very minimal effect I mean, it moves a little bit, but it has a very overall minimal effect on how you would actually want to roster that particular player. The difference of Jake Funk being projected for 0.38 points versus zero points or 1.0 fantasy points has a dramatic change on how often you would want to roster that particular player. So what I recommend doing is spending a little bit of your time looking at some of the players that are projected very low here and doing a little bit of your own research into either beat writers, uh, coach quotes, or even other projection models and seeing if those players also have projections there or if you expect those players to get on the field, right? Tutu Atwell, for example, has a 0.86 projection, right? He's got a lot of speed. It's actually pretty easy for me to see a situation where he ends up in the optimal provided that he's getting any playing time at all. But if he isn't, then we can improve the overall quality of our lineup portfolio by just crossing him out. Another thing you can do is going down to some of the players that are projected for 0.0 points on Sabersim and seeing if any of them are actually de deserving of a projection. You can see uh, Tavon Austin, for example, is projected for 0.0. .0. He shows up in 0% of our total lineups. He is not included in the sim. If you have a reason to believe that he actually may end up playing in this game, even giving him a projection of 0.3 or 0.5 will help improve the overall quality of your lineups and give you some exposure to that particular player. Now, this is a more advanced strategy. If you have no idea where to start with that, don't worry about that because, again, we're doing a ton of work to make sure that our even our very low projected players are projected accurately. I would instead focus on making sure that you understand the theory of what we're trying to do here with a game simulation and with an NFL showdown lineup. Spend some time maybe taking some stands or trying to avoid duplication in your post-build process. And don't worry so much about trying to spot check some of these lower projected players until you start to feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, but for those, I get questions all the time on office hours where people say, hey, I get the basics and I'm trying to take another step. I want my, I want to make start making my lineups even better. This, I think, is a very good step where you can start adding some additional value by doing this. And it's not going to be there every single slate, right? Some slates, everything's going to look pretty good. Others, there might be something that ends up getting mixed, missed, right? Maybe there was, um, maybe there's a coach quote um, that came out earlier in the week that says that um, the Bills want to start getting Tommy Sweeney involved more as a kind of second tight, second receiving option at the tight end, right? If even, even in the form of a bump to 1.21 as a projection here, you'll get a lot more Tommy Sweeney in your lineups. You'll get a lot better lineup portfolio. The last note I want to mention about NFL Showdown here before we start getting into some questions is contest selection and variance. 
NFL showdown is extremely high variance. One, because of the size of the contest. Two, because of the variance overall of the sport. Um, it is going to be the type of it is going to be the type of contest where you're probably your, your uh, results are not going to be very evenly spread out on any given slate, right? If you play NBA DFS, for example, a sport that plays much more low variance, uh, you'll typically have, I would say you typically, uh, especially if you're spreading out your exposures a fair bit, you won't have a lot of slates where you just completely lose everything. That will happen a ton in NFL showdown. You should be mentally prepared for the fact that uh, even after all of this excitement of this week, you could go in, play a very strong, positive expected value portfolio of lineups and end up losing everything, right? That that can happen. So a couple of notes on that. One, I typically recommend playing a little bit less of your bankroll in each individual showdown slate. I know our recommendations for most main slates are around two and a half to 5% of your bankroll per slate for showdowns. I stick a little bit closer to one to two and a half percent total of my bankroll and probably favoring a little bit more to the one percent side. That is, again, just because the results, the the let me put it a different way. The quality of your lineups is much less correlated to your actual results on any given slate than a sport like NBA or even baseball main slates. But two. The more shots on goal you can get in NFL showdown, the more likely you are to realize your expected value in a shorter period of time. So if you just play the Thursday night football every week, the Monday night football every week, actually, if you just play Thursday night football every single week, you're basically only going to have 18 to 20 different shots at realizing your EV. If you play Thursday night, Monday night, and Sunday night, you'll have 20... 60, wait, about 60 shots at realizing your NFL showdown EV over the course of the season. If that was just, if that was a baseball, if that was like, if we were tracking this in terms of baseball, which is a daily sport, that would basically just be, you know, if you only played Thursday night, that would only be 20 days consecutive of baseball. If you were playing Thursday, Monday, and Sunday night football every week, that would be 60 days of baseball. That would be like two months. I talk about all the time on stream here about how you base, you have to think about these things over the course of full seasons before you can really judge any results. So the point I'm trying to make here, I promise you I'm wrapping around to a point, is that I recommend playing as many showdowns as you basically comfortably can, given how much time you have to commit to DFS and how much time it makes it takes for you to build lineups that you feel like you're comfortable with entering into contests. Uh, the Sunday, the NFL Sunday gauntlet of trying to play every single showdown, if you've never done it, is a bit of an adrenaline rush. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to every single person out there, but the more showdowns that you can play, the smoother your results are going to be over the longer term. The better opportunity you are going to have at realizing your EV over the course of the season. So uh, with that said, that is... What I had to say about NFL Showdown, again, the main point I really want to stress here is that you basically are starting from way further in the process when you start with lineups that are optimized based on play-by-play -play game simulations. Everybody else building by hand or using traditional optimizers is going to have to spend hours trying to go from averages to optimal. And most of the time, they're not even going to do a very good job of it. So purely by starting with SaberSim, building your lineups on the 0010 settings that build these optimal lineups, you're going to have a portfolio of lineups that is immediately optimized for success. The improvements that you can make from there, simply sort through those lineups in your portfolio here, and you can do so to either manage your risk, to play a less risky portfolio, to smooth out your exposures here, to take stands 
on certain players uh, or to avoid duplication. So that is all I have for the NFL showdown here. Um, I am going to go ahead here and uh, start answering some questions here. So um, I'm going to prioritize questions um, here. Um, I'm going to prioritize questions here um, that are about NFL showdown, and then we'll get into some of the other ones here. So, okay. Um, so Tim had asked a question here on the FanDuel side. Um, I mostly focused on DraftKings here. Uh, for what it is worth, I prefer the DraftKings single game NFL product a little bit more. Um, I think the main thing is on FanDuel because you're playing a smaller lineup. There's only five players in your lineup. Uh, and because your MVP spot on FanDuel costs the same as it costs to roster a player in the utility position or the flex position, uh, there are just far fewer plus EV lineups that you can make. And that means your lineups are much more likely to be duplicated. So I think it's, I think combining those two factors together, there's just, it's, it's just a lot less good lineups that you can make for FanDuel. Um, but on FanDuel here, um, am I adding any filters or stacks or just controlling MVP and letting it flow like M, uh, MLB? Yeah. So again, I am unopinionated about what my stack constructions are for a single game slate showdown or single game on FanDuel before the build. Now, after the build, I may sort through those lineups differently to target lineup constructions here that are, I think are less likely to be used, but I don't want to set a stack rule before the build because then that's going to start influencing the sim. If we pull out a sim where the optimal build is a 3-3 build, but I've told SaberSim to only build me 5-1 stacks, well, now it's going to basically like take that sim and transform it into a 5-1 build, even though that wasn't the optimal lineup for that sim. So I typically prefer to make almost no adjustments to stack rules, um, to uh, projections, that kind of stuff before the build for that reason. So Cool. Uh, let's see. Okay. If there's any other questions here, I know there's a, there's a lot of questions about a lot of different topics here in Slack. If there's any other questions specifically about NFL showdown, fire away at me now. We'll start with the questions about showdown and then I'll move to some of these other questions here. Um, so this is a good one from AK Knowledge. He said, uh, good afternoon, Jordan. Could you reiterate why one sim is better than a handful of sims for showdown or MMA or tennis? So yeah, good question. Let's go back here to DraftKings and pull up the sliders again. So you can see here the defaults here is going to be using one sim, right? So it's a, a single simulation optimal. If we came down to nine sim precision, every lineup is going to be basically built on what is optimal for a set of a bucket of three sims. Right. So instead of looking at a single game sim, we're looking at three sims. The main thing here is basically thinking about how important is it in the contest that you're playing to actually get the optimal lineup to be successful. So in NFL showdown, right, uh, or I would say even MMA in particular, you have a few different factors coming together that basically makes it so the optimal strategy is to play with a single sim optimal. The first is that there is a very small player pool. There, because there are so few players in the pool, there are there's a smaller number of possible lineups that you can make, just like any any possible lineup construction, than a much larger baseball slate or football slate, for example. 
The second factor is that the contests are generally very large, especially if you're talking about NFL showdown here. I think the opening night Millie tomorrow night is like probably well over 500,000 lineups, even stuff like the $1.20 max, the quarter jukebox, that kind of stuff is well over 100,000 lineups. So there's a lot of different lineups in your pool. And the third is that because these contests are often very top heavy, all of the equity in the contest is in basically the top 10 or, or even the top five or even the top one for some of these things like the Millie maker. So you are basically trying to shoot for the best overall lineup in that pool. All those things ultimately work together to make it so the optimal strategy is to play for an optimal of the thinnest margin possible, right? We don't want an optimal that fits a random bucket of 20 different Sims. We want for a the way that a single game could play out that particular optimal. And that's why I recommend using basically one Sim, Sim Precision 10 for NFL Showdown, for MMA. For tennis, I think it's a little more complicated, uh, mostly because tennis contests can be way smaller, right? Like orders of magnitude smaller than either of those others. So I think there are certain tennis slates, especially if you had a very large player pool, maybe a flatter payer, payout structure that it would maybe make some sense to play a lineup with that is an optimized for a bucket of three sims rather than one. So, um, so Thomas has a good question here. Hi, Jordan. How with Saberson can I make my lineups different? So I would, again, I'd recommend trying to think about what is the, what is the conventional wisdom, right? What is the popular take going to be about the game that you're trying to build lineups for? And here, let's go ahead and reset this all over again. So for this game, for example, here, here's what I think is going to be popular. I think uh, a shootout type game script where the Bills ultimately end up winning a close high scoring game is like basically the conventional wisdom of what is going to happen here, right? You can kind of intuitively get there by either looking at ownership projections or by looking at Vegas totals. I think most of the time there's kind of a chalky game script that you can think about. Because we have all of these other game scripts to work with, I'm just not going to play those ones. I'm going to particularly try to target basically the other game scripts. And the way I'm going to do that is by editing my captain exposures generally and my lineup construction. So I think for me, the very first things I would do is probably get rid of what I think are going to be the super chalky captains, which are Allen and probably Cup. And maybe that's it. It kind of depends on what our final ownership numbers look like. I maybe would even go one step further and eliminate Diggs and Stafford and just play lineups that are going to have a lower all probability of being played because I think the most popular lineups here um, that are, I think the most popular lineups are going to feature those players. And you might look at that and be like, how is that possible? How can you fade all four of those guys at captain? And maybe you don't need to fade all four, but if we look and actually look at how often these guys are optimal, uh, Allen and Cup represent about 42% of the outcomes. Adding in Stefan Diggs represents another uh, 70, or we're up to like 72. So we have basically like a 20% chance that a player, that any player not named one of these guys is optimal, right? That's, that's still a pretty good opportunity in a sport where we have to do everything we can to try to get different from the field. Um, another way you can do that is to just vary your overall lineup constructions, right? Um, to maybe favor lineups and maybe, maybe, maybe you don't want to fade. Um, maybe you don't want to fade all of these different players at captain, right? Instead, maybe you can fade the popular construction, which I think will be like bills, bills forward lineups or like, uh, bills heavy lineups, I think are likely to be a little bit more popular. So that's really the way I like to think about it. 
Uh, Patrick says, do you really need to take stands if you're doing 150 or more MME? Um, I, I think it is worth at least having duplication on your mind, no matter how many lineups you're playing. So even if you're playing um, 150, uh, even if you're playing 150 lineups, or if you're playing one lineup, I think you should at least be somewhat concerned with like, what are the prop? What's the probability of me being duplicated? What stands do I want to take as a result of that? I don't think you know. A lot of times, people talk about stands almost more from the standpoint of just player takes. Like, I like this guy. I want to play him. If you want to do that, I think there's no tool better set up to support that than Saberson because you'll know that you're playing good lineups within those constraints. But I don't think you ever have to take stands, right? Like, I'm I'm not of the belief that you have to come into this slate opinionated about certain players in a way that's different than maybe what other people think. I think you can build the lineup, see what the Sims say, and then particularly just try to avoid getting duplicated in a way that's not so much associated with having a stand on a player, right? Like, I think when people, when I often hear people talk about stands, the, I, I think about it from the standpoint of people saying like, I think Josh Allen is bad or something like that and fading him because of that. Or I think, uh, I don't know. Allen Robinson is underrated or something like that. I don't think you have to have those takes to be successful playing showdown. So uh, Neil said, how do you decide what to set for your max salary? I think default is 49.9, but it seems like on certain slates you could go lower. Yeah. So I didn't talk about salary at all here. Uh, max salary is there's actually, I mean, let me mention this. There's a couple other blunt tools that I think you can use to avoid duplication a little bit further. One of them is max salary. The point here is that most people building either by hand or using traditional optimizers that optimize purely for average projections uh, are going to build lineups that are basically using all of the salary or using the vast majority of the salary. But on a game type where our goal is to come up with the actual just highest scoring optimal for a single game sim, you frequently won't have to use all of the salary to do that, or the optimal lineup frequently won't use all of the salary. And to actually put this in the most specific way possible, people building by hand or using average projections in a traditional optimizer are likely to overweight the probability of the winning lineup being a maximum salary build or a very high salary build. So that's why as a blunt tool, reducing your max salary does a pretty good job of avoiding duplication. It's not as precise as I think of taking a more specific slate contextualized approach to duplication, but it's pretty good. Um, I typically just leave it at the default here. I would not talk you out of dropping this as low as 49.5, but I probably wouldn't go further than that because then I think you're starting to remove a lot of like potentially good lineups from your pool. So. Cool. Okay. Uh, let's see. I had a follow-up question here from Ateru. Uh, and the question says, are you sure that it works that setting stacks to 5-1 is finding the best 5-1 lineup per sim, disregarding that it is not the optimal for the sim? Or is it working like this? It discards simulations where the optimal is not a 5-1 stack until it finds a 5-1 stack. No, the sim is selected first. So what I said is correct. The simulation is selected first. And then the optimal lineup for that sim, given your build constraints, is then built. So if you set a rule saying, I only want 5-1 stacks in my NFL showdown lineups, we will select the sims the same way. But when we build what we feel is the optimal lineup for that sim, 
it will be within the constraints that you've set. So if you've said, you know, 5-1 only, we will take Sims where otherwise the optimal would have been a 3-3 and build a 5-1 because that's what you asked for. What you're describing, what you want, where you say it discards simulations where the optimal is not a 5-1 stack until it finds a 5-1 stack, is what happens when you do this in the post-build process instead. Because we're building 1,500, and then if you eliminate all lineups that don't have a 5-1, we'll leave you with the best 150 that you can play that is a 5-1. So basically, for the same reason that you want that is the same reason why I recommend you do most of this in the post-build process instead of pre-build here. So the reason why, just to go one step further, the reason why it works like this is because there aren't, when, you, when we simplify it down to this level, it's easy to think, oh, well, surely there are enough lineups with 5-1 constructions that are optimals for certain sets of sims. But typically, this isn't the only constraint somebody puts on their lineups. They also have min and max exposures. They've also maybe changed min uniques. Maybe there's other stacking rules. And once you get to a certain point, there are just simply not enough actual simulations to find a raw sim that supports a lineup optimal that matches exactly what you want your lineup constructions to look like across the board, especially for, for larger slates and things like that. So, okay, cool. Um, I think we are caught up, up on showdown specific questions here. Uh, so what we'll do is I'm going to quickly just roll through and hit all of the other questions here that are in our queue. Uh, a couple quick notes before we we do that. Um, we will, tomorrow, we'll be doing another similar kind of stream to this, but we'll be focusing on NFL main slates. Um, I actually think Andy's going to come on and join me for that particular stream. Uh, very similar, very similar flow. We'll, we'll talk about NFL main slate strategy, uh, some good ways to add value to your main slate process, and then answer any questions uh, about NFL classic slates, and then move in probably to the other questions in the, in the pool. So definitely come tune in for that. Uh, let's go ahead here. I'm going to just rip off these questions quickly here. And we'll go from there. Um, from M. Dumbluski. Uh, with the sliders, you guys mentioned backtesting using omega ratio. Uh, does this somewhat limit upside while trying to lower your risk of ruin? Yes. That is exactly what omega ratio does. It is basically saying upside at all cost is not the goal. Balanced upside versus risk is the goal. The, the most possible upside we can get with the minimal amount of risk. So, uh, yes, that is that is basically exactly what it was intended to do. Um, KG asks a question. This is actually a baseball one here. Um, we'll hit this one kind of quickly. And, uh, question says, Hey Jordan, can you talk about how you think about ownership versus leverage in large field versus small field contests? Well, virtually all ownership projections are for the large 150 max contests. Do you have a rule of thumb for how you use those figures for the other contests? Uh, for example, today, mini max versus the sacrifice fly. So for me, uh, I typically treat the ownership projections well, I don't even want to say I treat them. Uh, the ownership tends to condense in smaller contests on what is perceived to be the best place, right? As contests get smaller, some of this is like uh, sharp, right? As players, as contests get smaller, the requirements of having a very high upside score to win that contest go down. So you can trust mean projections a little bit more. So mean high me, highly mean projected players end up becoming rostered more uh some of this is also just not sharp right sometimes people uh, overly try to play safe and then destroy their expected value because they're playing too safe in these smaller contests so what i typically do is i will look at what are the overall 
what are like the what's truly the chalkiest of the chalk, right? What are the two maybe the the two singular pitchers that I think are going to be the most likely to be paired together, and what is the chalkiest stack? And then I will look in a very smaller field contest like this, like a small field single entry, to try to get different in just one way, right? I don't need to diversify completely across the board. This is just a heuristic I use. I try to do one thing differently. So if in this particular build here, Christian Javier and you Darvish with a, uh, I don't know, a Houston, it doesn't look like one, chack, one stack is actually going to be enormously chalky here tonight. So maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe I will just say, all I'm going to do is I'm going to try to avoid playing uh, Christian Javier and you Darvish together and and maybe and maybe a Cardinals and Astros stack. Right? If I can do any of those things differently, it's going to give me enough leverage on the field to build a good lineup. So um okay. Um I know there was a question about new product updates. I'll do that at the end. We'll do a quick demo of the 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 new stuff here. I wanted to mention on that I will have a video out before the end of the day that is summarizing all of the new updates we've made basically in the past year since the last NFL season. So look forward to that. Um, because that that video is coming out before the end of the day, I'm going to prioritize getting to these other questions here first. Um, this one being from Samuel here. Uh, and he said, under advanced stacking under eligible teams, uh, do I have to set up the opposing team as well? Or, or we're doing the primary team. Does the Sims recognize the bring back from the opposing team? Good question. Um, so on the main slates here. So what we're referring to is the stack types here, right? Let's go ahead here, get this back to defaults. Okay, so let's say you've set an advanced stacking rule for your primary stack, and you've said, I want a QB plus two in every lineup. So the question is here, do I have to mess with the opposing team at all? Well, it ultimately is up to you, right? The correlation slider is going to basically take the SIM data that we're using for that particular lineup and look at what correlations exist between players playing in all the games and build correlations into your lineups automatically, right? So in other words, you will get runbacks to your primary stack in about according about accordingly to what we think is appropriate based on what players are in that lineup, what contest you said you've been playing, what the actual slate looks like, et cetera, right? You won't have a run back in every lineup, but you will have them often. If you want a run back in every single lineup, then you should set the rule to do that, right? And you should say, I want 100% of my lineups to feature the run back. So my recommendation would be to set a primary stack in the most flexible way as possible, which would not, I don't think, immediately include or not necessarily include a runback and let, let your lineups get to those runbacks naturally. But if you want it in 100% of your lineups, I think it's perfectly fine to put it in there. So, um, okay. Cool. Um, let me get caught up on YouTube chat here real quick. Um, and keep going here. Uh, D-Ball said, is there any possible way to quickly optimize one lineup with certain stacks without doing 500 or 1500 lineups? Uh, for example, a 3-2 stack. Yes. 
uh, you can decide exactly how many lineups you want to build. Now, I would say I would I would recommend building at least a hundred lineups, mostly because it's just really easy to do it, right? Um, based on the fact that you said a three-two stack, I think we're talking about baseball. I might be wrong. It works the same way either way, right? Um, but let's say, for example, and this will be an opportunity to talk about one of our new features here. Um, but let's say you're building for the main slate here tonight and you just want one lineup and you know you want to play a, I'm going to say a 5-3 stack, right? This new feature allows you to control that ahead of time. So we can actually say, I only want 5-3 stacks. So I'm going to up here, oh, it's actually, I'm realizing it's kind of hard for you guys to see this. Uh, I'm going to select, I'm going to unselect every kind of stack construction except for a 5-3. And let's say you're just building one lineup. I would still recommend building more than just one. So, but let's say you're playing a single entry and it has 5,000 people in it. You're building one lineup here. I would at least let your pool size be like a hundred, mostly because it's pretty easy for us to build a hundred lineups pretty quickly. And then we have more opportunities to make sure we're giving you the best one possible. Or if you want to make changes to that lineup here, you have more lineups to work with after the build is complete, right? So we'll get an opportunity here to kind of test this out real quickly. Um, but, and maybe we won't build a hundred because it's going to take a little while on the stream here. I guess if we set the stacking rule, it does take a little bit longer than normal. But even if you build 10 lineups, it's going to do a little bit of a better job than just picking one, because then at least you have 10 different lineups to choose from. So we'll let this build 10 or so, and we can stop it. And then we'll identify with the Sabre score, the best overall lineup of those 10, right? The other thing you can do, I haven't shown this in a while, is if you like this lineup, but you just want to change one thing, right? Maybe again, we said we don't want to play Christian Javier, you, you Darvish, and a Astro stack altogether. We can actually just edit this. And maybe we look at our pitchers and we play, uh, maybe we play Manoa instead. That, seem, that seems pretty good, right? That's probably one, that's probably one good way to get different enough, right? As we do that instead. Now we can do that. And that lineup varies us against the chalk in at least one way. And if he's if if Manoa's fifteen percent owned in large field GPPs, he'll be lower than that owned. Whoops, in uh, small field GPPs. So, Patrick says, "What me method or lesson did we learn from NBA Showdown, and we can apply it to NFL Showdown? Is it similar to using the same approach to NBA and just apply it to NFL?" I would say most Showdown contests have fundamentally a similar overall strategy. Uh, I actually think NFL showdown is a little bit easier than NBA showdown because the average projections are less valuable, right? It is harder to fade the chalk. It is harder to avoid duplication in NBA because the best overall projected plays are going to get there more reliably. But in NFL, I think the field is likely to overweight the value of even very highly projected players, right? I would expect... That Josh Allen, this is my this is my my gut feeling overall. I would expect that Josh Allen is owned at the captain spot more frequently than we think he's likely to be optimal there, which is wrong. I think I would not be surprised to see him over thirty five percent owned at captain, even though I think his likelihood of being the optimal captain is in that like the twenty five to thirty percent range, based on the Sims. So, um. We answered this question already here. So, cool. I'm glad I was able to help. Um, School said Jordan's so excited he's knocking stuff over. Yeah, I'm, I'm freaking out over here. Okay. 
Um, I'm going to continue answering a couple of these other questions here. Then maybe we'll do a quick walkthrough of some of the new features real quickly. Um, if you guys have any questions for me in chat, especially for NFL showdown, fire away at me. Uh, that's what we're, we're mostly focusing here on today's stream. Uh, and let's, let's keep it going. Um, there was a question here. Um, okay. This is from, uh, I'm not going to say it. Profit plan question. Uh, $50 a slate bankroll, how would you allocate it? Uh, well, I would I would follow the profit plan. Um, so we could do, let's see. So we have, so we're playing $50 a slate. Um, so I would play 50, so it's up to you, but I would play 50 to 75% of that into diversifier type contests, right? So I typically start with 75%. So I would play 50 and 75. So I would be playing 37 and a half into diversifiers. Those are your 20 maxes, your uh, 150 maxes, your larger field contests. And we're going to fill those basically bottom to top in terms of entry fee. So let's assume that we're doing that. Oh, I forgot. For some reason, if anybody's ever seen this happen before, let me know if you know how to fix this. My DraftKings on this computer is like all messed up. I've cleared my cookies. I've cleared my browser cache. I don't know what's going on. Uh, it mostly works, but it looks weird. So, but anyway, still works. Um, but let's assume we're doing this for the NFL uh, Sunday main slate, right? So what we'll do is we'll do tournaments. And I'm going to do um, lowest, to lowest to highest entry fee, right? Um, and cool. Uh, first of all, NFL always has all those free contests. Definitely enter these. They're literally free, right? Um, Rogue says it's my ad, my ad blocker. Is it really? I don't think it is. I don't know. Um, anyway, anyway, I'm getting distracted here. Let's keep it going. Um, so I want only classic and I'm doing diversifiers. So uh, what I would play is I want 37 and a half um, into, I keep losing my train of thought here. I keep getting distracted into the diversifier contest. So I can play uh, all five of these. That's free. $2 into the dime package. That's $2 right? I'm going to skip these here. I'm typically only focusing on contests that are like at least a $1,000 prize pool. Um, so I'm going to skip those. I'm going to skip satellites. And then I'm going to get all the way down here to the quarter jukebox. So I max out the quarter jukebox. That's $5. We're at $7 total, right? Then I'm going to continue skipping the small, super small prize pool type contests. I'm focusing mostly on the somewhat bigger GPPs, right? This The lobby for... Uh, the lobby for um, football is enormous. So you got you to gotta scroll down a bit. So now we get to the mini max, right? So we've played $7. We need another $30.50. So we could play 60 entries into the mini max. Um, but typically what we recommend instead is to, if you can jump up in stakes slightly and afford to max a contest out, it's better than not maxing a contest out at the lower stakes. So instead what I would do is play $20 into the 20, the 20 max here. So now we're at 27 leaving us with $10.50 left for the minimax here. I would play 21 entries into the 50 cent minimax. And those would be my diversifiers. Now I have 50 minus 37.5. Those are my elevator contests, my single entry and three maxes, $12.50. Now I'm going to start over. And what I'll do is actually sort single entry first. So I would probably play um, the, well, it's two daily dollars. So I would play $1.00. $2, $5 is that single back. And then let's look at the three entry maxes. Then I would probably play another 
what is that, $9 uh, here to max out this contest, which gets us pretty close to 12 and a half. That's what I would do. So that is how I would do it. Rogue says he had the same problem and it was the ad blocker. So I'll, I'll check that out. But uh, Patrick says, if you're a degenerate gambler like me playing the Thursday to Monday NFL slate, what about using the late swap method every time a sim is pushed out like NBA late swap? Um, I think, I mean, if you're playing Thursday to Monday, you basically have to run a late swap build on Sunday morning before the main slate starts. Um, yeah, probably worth doing another late swap after the afternoon games start um, there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes some sense. Um, I think maybe on tomorrow's stream, we can talk a little bit about late swap strategy. I will probably early this NFL season just put out an NFL late swap strategy video for you guys um, to talk a little bit more about how I handle late swap for NFL. Um, it's more, there's, I think I would say there's, you're more frequently late swapping for NFL than a sport. Well, not more frequently. Late swap is probably more important in NFL than it is in MLB. Um, but I would say that, um, it is not as important as a sport like NBA. And because late swap can increase the variance of your lineups a bit when you're using SaberSim, I typically like to take my rule of thumb when I'm thinking about late swap is what is the minimal effective pro process that I can take to late swap my lineups effectively. So uh, Nancy Drew guy says, I know somebody else has already asked you this. How do you get different with your lineups when you know your opponent uses the same tools as you? So first of all, one thing is that because of the way that the SaberSim Sims work, I think you're probably very, you're very unlikely to really even duplicate even other SaberSim users above and beyond your risk of duplicating anybody, right? Like this question often comes in and people say, Hey, if I'm using SaberSim and you're using SaberSim, we're all using SaberSim. How do we get different from each other? That I think getting different from I think getting different from other SaberSim users only matters when getting different from the field actually matters. And the reason why is because at the end of the day, you're still selecting a very small like you're selecting one of tens of thousands of simulations of a given game, and then building a lineup around that. You're doing that process 1,500 times, and then from there, selecting your final lineup portfolio after hopefully having made that your own a little bit as well. On other tools, right? Like if you were building on Fantasy Cruncher with the Osmo projections, without changing anything, your top lineup is going to be the same lineup as everybody, literally everybody, because you're all using average projections, right? And even if you start setting some randomness there, you're starting from the base of the same average projection, and it's still likely that you're going to be duplicating other people, right? Here, we're using a single game sim from a giant bucket of tens of thousands of game sims. Doing that, again, I, I know I just said this, but I want to repeat this, 1,500 times, then selecting our 150 out of that, and then you know making your 150 in a creative way. So all of this to say, I don't think you need to specifically worry about avoiding duplication with other SaberSim users, but you do need to worry about duplicating the field just because in this game type, there's only so many lineups that you can build. So focus more on avoiding duplication with the field by doing what I was talking about before, uh, playing um, more contrarian captains, playing more contrarian lineup constructions, potentially lowering your max salary. Um, that That is more important, I think, than trying to think about how you're going to avoid dupes with other SaberSim users. So...
Okay. Um, all right. Uh, there's a couple other questions here. Let's hit these real quick. Um, Bill is asking for a quick overview of a baseball process here. So let's answer this one real quickly. Um, said, I'm curious your thoughts about this process for MLB test build normal settings on 150 out of 1500. Look at the team stack percentage and then transfer those back to the step one and rebuild knowing that it's within the parameters that the test build gave you and try to match them. Does it seem to be any value in that? Honestly, I, th I don't know if there is, I don't think it's, it's, it's almost certainly not hurting you, but I don't know what value it is potentially adding, right? Like you're basically just, you're, you're basically just feeding back the same thing that came out of the first build to the builder again, but this time as a rule, right? Like if you just built your lineups organically and it says, Hey, 40% Astro stacks look good tonight. Then you take that out and you say, okay, Sabersim, now build me another set of lineups, but use around 40% Astro stacks. But doing that for every single stack, I just think it's, it, it probably doesn't add a ton of value. Um, and I think, I think it probably doesn't add a ton of value. Now I will flip this back around to you and do the same thing that I, I and do the same thing that I do every time somebody asks me to review their process or a part of their process and say, what is, what are you trying to get out of that? I think that's a better question to start with rather than saying, Hey, I do this. Is it good? Ask yourself and then tell me what, what goal do you actually get out of this? Because sometimes I'm surprised by the answers, right? Like somebody will say, Hey, I, I do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, Oh, why do you do that? That seems weird. But then the answer is because I'm trying to get a lower overall ownership build. And I didn't think about it that way, right? So Skull says money and then laughing emoji. I, I know this is a joke, but honestly, I, I think actually you should be able to, if, if somebody asks you to describe your process step-by-step, step, you should be able to defend every single step and actually say that this adds specifically this value to my process. And that's why I do it. And if you can't, you could probably re remove it. Um, so keep that in mind, but, um, cool. All right. I don't see any other questions coming in here, uh, at the moment. I will use the opportunity here to mention for everybody that was not here for the start of the stream, um, that if you've been sticking around watching this here today, uh, we have, the only completely free seven-day trial in the industry. So um, come check us out, right? NFL Showdown tomorrow night. We've spent an hour here talking about NFL Showdown strategy. I hope I have left you guys uh, with an understanding of why play-by-play -play sims in particular are so freaking valuable for NFL Showdown. Um, now you get the chance to, to play around with them and check it out for yourself. Uh, we reset everybody's trial here at the start of the day today. So everybody's trial should be totally reset. If you've used Saberson before, last year, the year before, three years ago, maybe you, maybe you, uh, it's been a while since we've seen you, you have access to a brand new seven-day trial. So get signed up. Come check us out. Uh, get the opportunity to play the Sunday main slate tip. Maybe a little sneak a little bit of baseball in there as well. Uh, we are continuing to move forward here uh, through the end of the week with a bunch of additional NFL content. So tomorrow we'll be doing basically the same thing we did today, but focusing on NFL main slates. And then I think on Friday, uh, we'll be uh, doing another NFL focused stream, but particularly focusing on MME strategy. 
right? A lot of times, both in our in our profit plan video and just overall in office hours, I talk about the value of playing a ton of unique lineups. Obviously, uh, that's a big jump for people that maybe are a little bit more used to playing just a few lineups. Um, so, or or even maybe if you've been playing like 20 or, or 50, right? There's a big jump to playing 150 to 200 to 300 different lineups. So we'll be talking a little bit more about what is what you need to think about when you're uh, max multi-entering. So anyway, uh, that's going to do it here for today's stream. Thank you to everybody that tuned in here. Uh, go get your trial on sabersim.com if you haven't already. And I will be right back here again for another stream tomorrow at two o'clock Eastern. In the meantime, take care. See ya.